0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I always say you could have been anywhere else, but you chose to come to church. So amen, we're, we're, we're blessed that we can still come to church and we're not being locked down or prevented from being here, so amen. Um, if you're here for the first time, I rarely do this, but if you're here for the first time, would you raise your hand so we can see if you're here for the first time, any visitors this morning? Okay, amen. Well, if you're online as well, a very warm welcome to you. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Um, we've we've been talking about a series called Petra, building a strong local church and what the the spiritual principles are for that. And um, I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Um, so in the in in the days in the days ahead, um, you know I, I've been looking over some prophetic words recently that went back as far as you know twen- uh, late 90s. Uh, 2011, 2012 times like that and I start to begin to see bits of prophetic, the prophetic coming into being right now um, I see the, the um, especially in the area of bitterness and anger in the world you know um, ideology, political ideology personal ideology all sorts of things that are coming against um, not only the church but also serving to bring a huge amount of confusion into the world and setting people at polar opposites from each other. And I think, man, we we need your love, the agape love of God more than ever before. We need, we need people to know his love. Amen. And, um, you know, so people get into, I think, sometimes this perpetual existence of Justifying who they are, what they do, and what they, all of this kind of stuff—and it just—it's just a lot. There's just a lot of tearing out there in society, and um, families being torn up. The word tells us that, you know, uh, father—you uh, know, br- you know—father will turn against son, son against father, brother against brother. Families will fall apart, and and we we have we have the good news that we can tell people. You know, it doesn't have to be like that. We have, we have, we have God's word that tells us that we can be constrained by love. We can be, things can be held together. Things can be held together by love. And it seems like there's, 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 uh, there's no love lost sometimes now, even in debates and, you know, differences of opinion and everything. And, you know, I just want to preach a little bit on that this morning, and the title of this message is Held Together by His Love, and it's definitely one of the the pillars or the fundamental building blocks of the local church, isn't it? Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't die so that we could just merely exist. He died so that we could have life. And I don't know how many people that you know that are just in an existence and they just go on, we exist from day to day. And Jesus said, no, I died to give you life and life more abundantly. And in John 3:16, it says "Therefore God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes and trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have life. He died so that we would have life. Amen. And, and I believe that that's God's will for us. And sometimes before we even really grasp that or accept that revelation that he really did send Jesus so that we would have life more abundantly, you know, that concept is usually beyond our understanding. It's usually beyond what we can grasp. So you really sent your son to die for us so that we could have life. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I frequently think on and remember the fact that I didn't deserve his acceptance, didn't, uh, didn't deserve his love. Still feel like that sometimes, undeserving, considering the sacrifice that he made for me, amen? But there you go. God goes beyond what we deserve. Always goes beyond what we deserve, doesn't he? And the song we sang this morning, we haven't sung that in a long time, singing about his extravagant love it captures that reality perfectly that he wants intimacy and he wants friendship with us hallelujah and he 's not god 's not cross with you he 's not cross with us he 's not wrath with us because he gave his son Jesus up to the cross. Do you believe that He gave him to the up to the cross for our sin, and we think, well God, you must be furious with us for having to do that. But do you know what extravagant love means? <laughs> extravagant love means doing something that exceeds what is reasonable, it exceeds what is appropriate in the situation. Extravagant love goes way beyond what was required. Extravagant love is unrestrained. He doesn't hold anything back. This is extravagance. And he has this. And his forgiveness for humanity was unrestrained. Amen. The cost of that forgiveness was Jesus Christ. But God never held back. He gave his best so that we would be redeemed. And the blood of animals and, and the heifers and bulls and lambs and all of that had to give way to the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All of it gave way. Anything less wouldn't do. And that's how extravagant his love was. Amen. And if you go in your word to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 and I'm reading from the amplified bible which is a great version of the bible it it it, it does exactly what it says on the cover it amplifies things all right it makes them it gives you extra description words and ex- explanation so I love the amplified bible it just means that every scripture you read is twice as long as the way it was originally but I'm good with that it says that the love of Christ controls and compels us because we have concluded this that one died for all, therefore all died. Now the King James version doesn 't say controls and compels it says his love constrains us, and that really means that his love holds everything together his love the, the, if you look in the concordance in, in a concordance, it will tell you. That it means to hold things fast together, to press around from every side, to press together with the hand, and to hold completely. So the, the love of the love of God, the agape love of God, it holds everything together, and it's, it like squeezes us all in to something. Amen. And. I wanna make this statement this, this this morning. The the most central purpose of the local church is love. That's that's the the cent, the centrality of the local church is love. Amen. And we all know that the love chapter in 1 Corinthians, don't we? You go to most weddings these days, a Christian wedding, and someone's reading 1 Corinthians 13, aren't they? We're like, some people probably think that that was written just for weddings. You know, it's like, oh, here's that wedding bit again. But it's in God's word in 1 Corinthians 13. Amen. And so Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth. Now, Corinth was probably a really exciting place to be. Back in it was a fledgling church, and everything must have been like hot and vibrant and yeah, energy and exciting and all of this kind of stuff. But Paul has to write to them because the spirit, the the, the, the spiritual gifts are in operation, they're working, they're moving, the Holy Spirit is moving. But behind all of that, there's division and there's confusion going on underneath. So Paul has to write to them because there was trouble lurking behind all of that. Amen. And um, he was addressing their love walk. That's what he was saying. He said, you can have all of these spiritual gifts. You can have all of this stuff, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. You can have a great church and a great outreach and a great evangelistic program. And you can have great kids ministry. You can have great music and you can have great technical stuff. but If you don't have love, you have nothing. You can have a great youth ministry, but if you don't have love, you haven't got anything. And he writes to them. And so sometimes carnal behavior begins to seep in to the body of Christ. Or sometimes it invades the body of Christ. And then when that does, the agape love of God begins to wither and die. And usually the carnality comes in via one route. It's called Pride when we become proud of what we're doing and the spiritual gifts that we have and what we're doing. Do you know what? I always say this. I always say this to the the team. I hope they'll back me up on this. Do you know what? You don't hit a home run every week. You don't. Sometimes we'll come to church and we'll leave here feeling flat and listless. I pray not. But you, we come to church expecting. And whenever we come to church expecting something, you'll never leave flat. You'll never leave listless. You'll never leave discouraged. And so we come here and we say, Lord, we, 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 we pray. We give this all over to you. You take it and do with it what you will. Yes, yes. And so we, 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 And then, so then I, encourage the, I encourage the team. It says there, sing to the Lord a new song and play skillfully. Let's keep on going. We keep on doing our best, doing our best, doing our best. And that's what's required. But we don't, we always, always, and I believe we do, we we understand that we're always moving from level to level. Amen. So no one be discouraged this morning. Amen. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians 1, 2, it says, Paul says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, set apart, and made holy in Christ Jesus. Put your hands up if you're sanctified this morning. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Together with all those who in every place call on and honor the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace, have inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's writing to the church at Corinth and he's saying, do you know what? You're the church where people are going to come and what are they going to expect to find when they get to church? Holy people. (laughs) When they get there, they're going to expect to find something that's different okay? There's got to have to be something different about you guys, all right? So the local church backed up by Paul's scripture is a place where you'd expect people to be, to be, who are called to be holy, amen? And we know that love always does the opposite of what the flesh wants to do, doesn't it? Amen? I encourage you this morning, in a hard time, in a hard situation, whatever your flesh feels like doing, try and do the opposite, Okay? Try and do the opposite, amen? So, because otherwise we have have that entering in. And so, sometimes you don't feel like loving folk. Sometimes, that's why it's called the first and great commandment. Because sometimes we just don't feel like it. Isn't that right? But Paul writes to Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 3. And he says, "Um, I urged you when I was on my way to Macedonia, stay on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain individuals not to teach any different doctrines, nor pay attention to legends or fables or myths and endless genealogies, because these give rise to useless speculation and meaningless arguments, rather than advancing God's program of instruction, which is grounded in faith, Amen. And it requires the surrendering of your entire self to God in absolute trust and confidence. Here's the key verse. But the goal of our instruction is love, which springs from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. He goes on to say that some people wandered away from those things with empty arguments and debates and everyone gets into strife strife and stuff. Amen. But here we see God is, uh, Paul's f- purpose was to instruct people in love. That was, why, that was why he was in touch with the churches. He'd been there and now he's encouraged them and he wants to see them staying in love that comes from a pure heart. Amen. Now, all these churches that Paul went to, they all had different traits. Amen. They all had, you know, if I come and hang out with each one of you, I'm going to expect, you know, I know Lewis. You know, Lewis has got certain characteristics. I enjoy hanging out with Lewis. And then I'll maybe hang out with my wife a little while, and she has got really extra special characters. I'm really going to enjoy hanging out with her. And then I'll hang out with Christine, and she is different. And so all of these churches, just like us, had a different, maybe a different, different traits and different kind of maybe their own uh, special culture. Amen. And so he would encourage them in some things, but then in other things, he'd have to bring correction to the church, wouldn't he? So he would do that and he would have to bring correction. And the one thing that Paul knew is you can't teach someone anything unless unless they know that you love them. You know, sometimes, I, you know, if I stand up here and, and, we, and minister the word, and, and yet I, I, I don't love you, you're not going to receive it. You're not going to receive the word. It's the same with any teacher, you know, and I know that the old-fashioned school of thought was, you know, treat them mean, and, you know, you drill it into them, but it's much easier to learn and, and accept teaching when it's someone that loves you, isn't it? So Paul's got this whole thing about love going on for the local church, Amen. Some people resisted Paul, and they, they rejected the correction, and some people received him, but he proved his love and devotion to the local church, didn't he? But there was one thing that not any church, Ephesus, Corinth, wherever it was, that they never got away with. The central standard was love, and it had to be of the highest standard. You, you know what? There was no excuses they might have fallen short in one area that another church done better in or whatever. You know, one church was lauded because it was a giving church. It was a generous church. But there was one thing that he would never accept any excuses for, and that was love that should be at a certain standard. Amen. And so that love chapter makes it plain that we have nothing if we, have, if we don't have love. And Paul knew that. Amen. And so love matters love really matters. And did you know that, there's, that the, the heavenlies are watching the church and the unfolding of the church age right now? And they are still learning about the greatness of God and what he's doing. Amen. If you read in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it says, through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God in all its countless aspects might now be made known and reveals the mystery to the angelic rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing? So what is happening, you know, what is happening right now? God knows what's happening with the church. He knows what's happening. And even even his divine counsel, even the angels are waiting to see the unfolding of what what the church becomes. Because it's a mystery, isn't it? God knows what it is. And we, we get to be a part of this time right now where, where we're part of this unfolding. And, and even the supernatural beings are, wow, Lord, you know. And, and, and we said this morning, Father God, let us not leave this place today. You know, I, we don't count anything a success unless it points towards the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we leave here today and we haven't pointed the finger to the Lord, then I don't consider we've had a successful meeting. So all of this has got to point towards him. Amen? So, amen. And then we say, okay, so love matters. Does it really matter? Do you know what? It's, you know, we're in a big church. If, if I stay on my side and you stay on your side, it'll all be cool, right? You know? Um, and you know what? When we're mingling at hospitality, I'll just like stay. Hmm, No. No, the church the, the, the church, the local church is a place where all of that is given an opportunity to be made right. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it could be, uh, listen, I'm not going back to the church. See, see, what, see what that guy said to me last week. There, that, it's disgusting. There was no need for that. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. You know, and the tea was cold and, and the music was too loud. And did you hear that drummer? Who, do, who does he think he is? Animal or something? <laughs> you know, and, and people, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm offended now. You've offended me. I'm not going back to church. And then here's Jesus. He's with his disciples in John. And um, he says, you know what? Go and bring me a basin. Go and bring me a cloth. And all of you sit here. And he begins, he begins washing their feet. One of the greatest examples of love ever shown. I always say as well, what got, the, what got the, the Samaritan to cross the road? Love, compassion. And here's Jesus. He's washing the disciples' feet, serving them in a very humble and a practical way. And then when he'd finished that, he said, You know, they're all saying, Lord, Lord, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, you don't know where my feet have been. You know what I mean? I mean, ah, come on. It's that, that, that is, there's such a huge example in that. He goes to that place and washes their feet. He says, No, no. And he says, No, I'm going to, don't, don't forbid me. I'm going to wash your feet. And you know what? Well, wash my hands and my head too. But he says, the reason I'm doing this is so that you know, as an example, this is how you treat others. This is how you treat others. Amen. Learn from me and do similar because when you do what I do, they'll know that you belong to me and that you're a part of me. Amen. And so this love that he had it bound everything together, still does today. And, you know, we've got to be aware of this in this day and age that the enemy tries to bring in big issues into the church, into the body of Christ. And if he can succeed in bringing issues into the church, people will leave or they'll be driven out. Amen? And we don't want to see that. You know, in the world, if people, if people um, hang out with each other you know, it's easy to hang out with someone who you've got something in common with, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? You know, it's, the word says somewhere, don't remember where it is. Even even sinners love their you know their nearest and dearest. You know, they still they have a a type of a love for one another, don't they? But Jesus says, I want you to love one another, even if you've got nothing in common, even if there's nothing in common. In the natural, you have one common thread, and that is that you are in relationship with me. And because of that, you, you should stay in love with one another. Amen? Amen? And if we do that, we'll please the Lord. And if we've got a heart that wants to please God, if we want to be God pleasers, then you, we've got to know that Satan is always going to try and thwart pleasing behavior. Because he doesn't want God to, re- to take joy. and you know, He doesn't want God rejoicing over us. The, the word says that he actually spins around and dances over us and sings over us. And Satan, I want to ruin that. I want to spoil that. He wants to do that. So it pleases God when we're planted in our local church. Amen? Amen. So if you're here today or if you're on the, the live stream Hopefully, you'll make the jump from virtual to physical soon. Yay. Amen. But if you're here today, there was nothing random about your arrival here in this church. You're called here for a reason, not just for a season. You, you, you may just be here for a time. God, God, God is unfolding things. But whilst you're here, you're here for a reason. Yes. Amen. You're here for a reason. And you're here because your church needs you. I, I need you. We all need you, and I would, I would venture to say you need us. Amen. Would it be too bold a thing to say that? Amen? No? Because it says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God has set the members, each of you, in the body just as he pleased. If we were all one member, where would the body be? You know these scriptures, don't you? There's many members, yet one body, eye, hand, foot, you know, all of these things, you know, sometimes bits disappear off the body like hair. <laughs> then I'm just like, my head that, that's gone, uh, leaving. But no, so, but we've got all of these um, parts of the body and not one of us can say to the other, I don't need you. You know, I need my big toe because if I don't have it, I'm going to lose my balance and fall over, and I need my little toe too. You know, I need all of these things. It's when you don't have something, you realize how much of a difference it makes. You know, when you, um, uh, you know, I've, I've grown up with sight in only one eye, and uh, was a, I was an accident looking for a place to happen at the start because you lose your depth perception. So I was scraping my dad's cars up the side, and everything. you can imagine, imagine the bother. And then eventually, I, I gradually began to try and compensate for that, but it's been—it's not been easy, because you always are aware. I need to preserve the sight in the in the good eye. If, if that one goes wonky, <laughs> I'll still be here. I'll I'll still be here. I'll still be here. I'll still be here. Amen. It won't be. It won't though. Amen. So, you know. But you know, there's. Every, every part of the body is, is to be honored and is worth it. And the lesser parts, the word says here, should be esteemed even more. So we esteem you if you're here and, you know, all you do is, you know what? All I do is do some car park. Well, thank you. If it wasn't for you guys, you know, then, you know, we, we could have carnage out there. No, but, and for everyone. You know, so the body has to learn to esteem the parts that are not really seen that often. Amen. And it says here, and this is the key verse, that God composed the body, that there should be no schism in verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but you should have the same care. What does schism mean? It means a tearing, an opening, a division. And so so often, there have been schisms in the body of Christ. And he says, I don't want that. No schisms, all right? No split. You don't have a split personality either. You know? Amen? So when one member suffers, everyone suffers. When one member rejoices, everyone rejoices. And you're here because it pleased God to bring you here. Amen? So wherever you are today, here or or wherever online, God wants you at your church, wherever that is. West Virginia, South Carolina, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Europe, Helsinki, Zurich, wherever it is, God wants you at your local church, amen? We don't, we can't like, oh, just swell up my local church. No, God places people here. So you're here for a reason, amen. So, as, you know, it's not about num- getting great numbers. It's about having the people that God has placed here for this for such a time as this. And when you get when you get to your local church, please stay there long enough to be equipped, to be anointed, to be to be sent out, amen, and amen. So it's those who are planted who will flourish, not those who visit. I visit, I'm just going to visit here, a visit there, those who are planted will flourish. Amen? And when you're planted, you will take a different path to those that don't. When you're, when you're, as the word says, like one of those things that are blown around by the wind, you have no path. But if you have love, if you have, if you, if love worketh by grace in your life and you are in a local church, you will have you will, God will have you on a path. Even though you might like, well, I'm not really sure about it, but don't leave. Stay. Stay until the Holy Ghost undoubtedly moves you. And I, and I think that this is the thing, and maybe it's the bold teaching this morning, but the Holy Ghost doesn't do things on a whim. It's not a wee feeling. It's a significant decision. So spend much time Deciding where you're going next, where you're going to, where you've come. Think about these things and pray for them. Amen. Because the devil's going to work overtime to separate you from the church. And offense is his weapon of choice. That's what he's going to do. And he doesn't want you in church because church is a place where you're ministered to, where you enter into relationship, where you uh boing d- Boeing trampoline out of to go to Swaziland and uh, places like that to go and do mission or whatever. Church is a place where you're ejected out of when you're equipped to go and do those things. No doubt that in your future, you will look back and say, thank God for my local church. Yeah. Yeah, Now, you, yeah. thank God, amen. Thank God for my local church. Amen. And thank God for the people there. Thank God for the people who've come and the people who you don't know, but behind the scenes they're saying, we'll help you finance this. We'll get you off the ground because you can't just get onto uh, you know, Mr. Ryanair for free, can you? Or Mr. BA. You, know, you just can't walk, walk through Gla- Glasgow Airport and walk onto a plane, you know? The most expensive word in the world is go. Yes. The most costly word in the world is go. Because going costs something. Always does. Whether it's um, giving certain things up or it's, sac- so it's sacrificial to go. Amen? So, amen. And so we need to, we need to know this is a place where we're equipped. And I'm sure Satan would like to see soldiers out on the battlefield that haven't been through boot camp. Amen? I mean, the enemy is wringing their hands. If we're out on the, on, in doing warfare, if we're in the battlefield but we've had no spiritual preparation, the enemy's wringing his hands with glee. But God says, no, but I've got, the, I've got your armor. Yes. The, you've, got, you've got your armor. Of, you have the breastplate of righteousness. You know, the, the shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. You know, your feet gird with peace. You know, the, bre- you, the, the belt of truth. All of the, So I'm, I'm preparing you to go out there. I'm going to armor you up. Amen. Yes. And so, because that's where you're, that's, boot camp is where you're trained to deal with offensive tactics. And so you're going to, you're going to be offended sooner or later. And it's how you deal with, those, with the tactics of the enemy. Because, you know, if someone says something nasty to me, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We, so, you know, I, I'm not going to like... And, and this, is, this, is, this is the love walk, This is the God's chisel. Because you can look on a person and... Man, I hate that you said that to me. Don't you? It's like, no. Recognize that there's something behind that. There's a tactic to cause a schism, to make a division. Amen? And offense re- leads to outrage outrage leads to resentment. Resentment leads to collusion. Oh, do you know what? Come over here. Let me tell you this. This is what's happening here. He does that. Collusion. Justif- I want to justify how I've, how I've felt hurt. Now, that doesn't mean we can't go and we can be counseled and helped through situations, but it's, these are not idle words that give rise to retaliation and then division and then lingering unforgiveness, amen? The word says, great peace have those that love the Lord and nothing shall offend it. When you have the peace of God that passes, surpasses all understanding in your life, nothing will offend that. So we often say, <laughs> we often say we're unoffendable, don't we? Has anyone ever heard that? I think there's still things that sting and wound. But that moment's brief. It's the taking up of the offense after that that's the problem. Because you can be cut. You can be, it will sting. Words of correction even sting. But you don't pick it up. You, you recognize that it's for your upbraiding for your, for your good. Can you repeat this after me this morning? When someone offends me, I won't nurse it, I won't rehearse it, but I'll curse it and disperse it and God will reverse it. Amen. So don't nurse that. Amen. Don't, don't nurse, don't nurse the, don't nurse the offense. You know, it's like, I'm going to tuck you in and, you know, and you're just going to grow and get bigger. And that's what offense does. Um, It becomes becomes a Leviathan. It becomes a huge thing in life. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to bring this message to a close now. Amen. You know, we are going to encounter problems. I'm the type of person, I like to know what the problem is. And then, okay, now I can find the solution to the problem. But it wasn't always that way. I would be like, do you know what? If I ignore this long enough, it's going to vanish. If I ignore this situation, if I ignore this person long enough, it'll go away. Um, The problem was, yeah, they did go away. All into a storage cupboard, waiting for one day when they'd all fall out at once. So, oh, that problem, no, I'll put it away. Eventually, they're all there and they come over you like a flood. Amen. And so it takes courage. It does take courage to face up to the fact that there is going to be problems and issues, but to face up to them and work them out. Amen, church? Actively work them out. You know, I've run from more than one problem in my life. You know what I mean? Does anyone here ever run from problems? (laughs) Amen. I've run from many, but problems that are too big for me are not too big for the Lord. And I've got, we've got to remember that, Amen. Most problems begin with a capital P. It's either, a peep, it's either people or it's a person, Amen. And even if some inanimate object lets us down, we blame the person that's most closely connected to that problem. Joshua, this—see this amplifier? See you? This thing was not working right this morning. So Joshua gets it in the neck because he's the, he's the most human thing connected to this inanimate object, and mean sometimes you know life just happens. The microphone doesn't work. The guitar string breaks. You know, uh, you, uh, you sing out of tune. You 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 know what you you know you bump into someone's car in the car park. No. <laughs> you know what I said? No, no. But the love of Christ constrains us, holds everything together. Amen? And so we can finish off Matthew 22, the first and greatest commandment. They were testing him, the the Pharisees, and they said, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And everything hangs on those two things. Amen? Amen. Your love will be tested here in church. Your love will be tested in Christian community. Your love and your obedience will have opportunity in community. Amen? Forgiveness is exercised in community. Amen? So, we just got to know that we've got to do the loving and let God do the judging and not the other way around. Amen? So, and if we do that, I believe that you'll live your life out of a right heart. We'll do ministry out of a right heart, a heart that's full of love and compassion. Amen? When we, when we begin to think of grace, instead of, oh, give them grace, Lord, maybe we should begin saying, Lord, give me grace. Your grace is sufficient for me. You know, I heard, I heard uh, and we say, we say this as Christians, and I, I heard this the other uh, a couple of weeks ago because Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder, and, and it was some very unsportsmanlike behavior afterwards, and they, they wouldn't, he wouldn't shake hands and say, well done. And uh, uh, Tyson Fury said something along the lines of, uh, I, I, I trust God to soften his heart. And I get the sentiment of that. Yeah. But God will do his work in his time in your life. In the meantime, I have to have the grace to love you. Yes. I have to have the grace to forgive. So it's incumbent upon me to, uh, to, to, to work love out of grace, isn't it? Amen. Lord, give me the grace to change, you know? Because we are waiting for someone else to change, aren't we? And it's like, no, give me the grace to change. Amen? Grace for grace. John 1, grace for grace. We've all received the fullness. Grace for grace. Amen? And to love someone who's difficult to love, we can't do it without God's grace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, there was, there was a few other scriptures here, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll just close with that. And remember that there's rewards for love. There's rewards for loving. Amen. And people are going to, when people come here, or wherever you are, wherever you're doing ministry, People, are, people will look at what you're doing and that will be the ministry to them. So if you're doing something, if you're following the example of Jesus, if you're feet washing or you're doing any of those things, that is going to speak much louder than anything you could ever say. Acts of love. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.